This is Sports Best presented by Reposted on the Reposted Podcast Network. Coming at you like a Genesis GV80 at 7 a.m. driving through Rolling Hills Estates. He is top safety pick Larry Olson, and I am hands-free phone call Keller. How's it going, Larry? It's going about as good as you would imagine if you didn't hit the brakes going 80 miles an hour and you ran into a tree. Yeah, you'd still alive because you're a top <laughs> safety pick, Larry. I might not still be alive, but uh, that's all you can really hope for. Um, I know you've been concerned about this. We have pre, uh, pre, what's it called? Pre-show meetings? Pre, yeah, pre-production pre meetings. meetings. We have a pre-production yeah. meeting before every show, and you're like, when is the last Major League Baseball team going to pitch a no-hitter? And it finally happened. <laughs> the Padres were the last team to hold out. They uh, joined MLB in 1969. They had 8,206 game streak of not having a no-hitter. And Joe Musgrove threw a no-hitter this week. And now every single team in Major League Baseball has thrown a no-hitter. I think that's amazing. Um, he had 112 pitches, one hit by pitch, four stri- or 10 strikeouts. So we keep on talking about we want more offense in baseball, but I, I can test that a no-hitter or a perfect game is much more interesting than tons of home runs. I just think this is unbelievable that there was only one team that had never had a no-hitter before. I, I, and, I mean, and it's the Padres, of course, the bad luck Padres. They've come close a couple of times, but they've never sealed the deal. I, I, I couldn't believe that I'd gone this long and didn't know the Padres were the only team without a no-hitter. Right. And Nolan Ryan personally has seven. <laughs> so the Padres, maybe uh, maybe look at who you're pitching. I don't know. I think it's exciting. Um, I don't know. Ten. I was surprised by 10 strikeouts. I think that's all. He's got a good defense behind him because otherwise, normally I feel like those are more heavily weighted on the pitcher. But 10 strikeouts isn't that many, I don't think. I just happened to be by a TV when this went down and ESPN was doing like live breaking news. And they really played up the angle of this, that Joe Musgrove is from San Diego. He's a yeah. native of San Diego, got drafted by, I think, the Pirates or somewhere else, and eventually comes back. And the homegrown kid is the guy from San Diego who the, throws the first no-hitter in Padre history. Yeah, I mean, you love a good uh, story. I love a good story. Yeah, it's a, a great story. story. We got a no- first no-hitter of the baseball season goes to the Padres. Congrats to them. Uh, I only put this story in the rundown because I know you love these statistics that are just asinine. Yankees yeah. catcher Kyle Higashoka is in what was his second start of the season, went two for three with two home runs and three RBA. He made history in the process, becoming the first catcher in Major League Baseball history with three multi-homer games within his first dozen career home runs. That according to stats. Does that mean anything at all to you? I'm, I mean, it's kind of arbitrary to me. I think the more interesting thing about him is that he's a personal catcher to Garrett Coles. Like, what does it, what does it mean that you have a personal catcher? Like, you, you're such a good pitch. I mean, it's got to be that you're such a good pitcher that you say, hey, this is the only guy I'm going to pitch to. He's got to be my catcher. I mean, Aaron Boone says he's not going to accommodate to that, but uh, what a title. Someone's personal catcher? It's like being don't a... We all, don't we all have a personal catcher? You do? Who's your personal <laughs> catcher, Larry? I can't reveal his name at this particular point, but I feel like we all have our own. We all have our peccadillos. We all want our personal catcher. I mean, I'd love to have a personal catcher, but I can't have anyone. <laughs> no one commits to me that long. So, anyway, I mean, great. Two home runs and three at bats. He's uh, he's he's swinging for the fences every time. He's not going for the base hits, which 
I personally appreciate. And I am probably in the minority in that I don't enjoy getting a hot dog when I go to baseball. What? Are you a hot dog? I also think Dodger dog is extremely overrated, but that's for a different show. Lightning's coming soon to strike you down. A site called Bonus Finder just launched a new contest for MLB fans to be a professional food taster. And if you win, you'll get a $500 cash prize as well as travel to uh, travel paid for to go visit different stadiums to judge hot dogs and and hot dogs and entertainment value throughout. So the uh, qualifications for this job are hot dog appearance and color, quality of bun, flavor, sauce and topping, generosity, value for money, which I don't know if anyone has good value for money except maybe Dollar Dog Night in Oakland, and then game entertainment and quality and stadium atmosphere. I think $500 is way underpaid to for this uh, gig. So, like, do you have to spend your own money to get to all these stadiums and they're only going to pay you 500 bucks? I think they give you travel costs, but you have to, like, you're probably taking, you're not making money. So if you have, if you're gainfully employed, I don't see this really making sense. The $500 is ceremonial. Like, I don't, I don't know. Do they pay for your ticket into the game? Yeah, that's what it looks like. Uh, you basically just write a paragraph essay about why they should pick you. And then uh, you can be a hot dog taster. I uh, well, I normally see an appeal to these things. and I do not see an appeal to being a hot dog taster. Listen, I do think there's a great chasm as far as hot dogs go. There are great hot dogs out there and there are horrible hot dogs out there. There is a horrible hot dog at the Oakland A Stadium. It's like this big fleshy meat bat. It's mm. huge. It lo- it's and it tastes awful. Yeah, you never buy that hot dog going past the bun. Well, this is just nasty. But on the other end of that, Dodger dogs are unbelievable. I would love to see what like a hot dog is at like Orioles games or Camden. the Texas Rangers games. I would love this job. Well, I mean, maybe you could. I, there's a link. You just fill out some information. You can get five hundred. You too can have five hundred dollars. Every time I grab a hot dog at a baseball game, I say to myself, "A moment on the lips is a lifetime on the <laughs> hips," and I put the hot dog down. I would love to apply for this job and get it, and then look at my kids and be like, "Hey guys, I think I'm going to be gone for the summer. I uh, I got a summer job, and <laughs> I'll be tasting hot dogs across the country." <laughs> we can. We can zoom in from your Motel 6s across the country to uh, continue recording this program. Well, we very well could have started the story with golf, this uh, episode with golf, because, well, the Masters concluded Hideki Matsuyama making history as the first male golfer from Japan to win a major championship. Ten years after making a sterling debut as the amateur champ, he claimed the ultimate trophy with a victory at the Masters. He's also the uh, first person from Asia to win at the Masters. Hideki Matsuyama, the first question we need to get into, did you make any bets with our intern over the outcome of the Masters? No, I very openly do not make bets on golf. So I try, well, I don't make bets on professional golf. I tried to get a couple of bets with him personally and uh, he did not bet on himself. So no action happened. Two things I found interesting about this story. One was the uh, Japanese announcer when he, his final putt went in, he said, Japan is finally on top of the world, which I thought was great. And then another was, uh, as he was celebrating, his caddy went to go pick up the 18th uh, mm, pen, the 18th green pen. And I think that you keep that as a ceremonial, whatever. He goes and then he bows to Augusta as like a sign of respect. And I thought that was really cool. I could see 
uh, I like acknowledging the institution or the history that was before him and the caddy bowing was, that was really cool. Yeah. It's funny. Cause that video went viral and I was thinking like, well, a lot of people were really into that. Yeah. Did you make any bets on the, the masters? Was there a pool? I did have some bets um, down and none of them had Hideki Matsuyama in this, you know, we, 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 we kind of watched this golf tournament. Hideki wins it and like whatever happened, happened. But man, this dude is now a major, he was already a major celebrity in Japan. They're saying this win for him is going to be worth a billion dollars, like in sponsorships. Like him winning the Masters means he is now a billionaire. And they're saying, as you know, the Summer Olympics is going to be in Tokyo. And he is now the front runner to light the torch for the opening ceremonies. Like he's a huge deal in Japan. Would you rather be a small fish in a big pond or a big fish in a small pond? Because I feel like it would be hard to be top of the heap. You couldn't be an American and win one event and be the front runner for lighting the torch. Yeah, I think I want to be in the big pond because you could get some anonymity if you wanted it. Yeah, I mean, I I agree with that, too. Um, Not that Japan is a small pond, but uh that's interesting to me like i couldn't we couldn't go to another country like say you're even the best soccer player in the world and you win the premier league with your team you're not going to be the front runner for the most famous american like there's no equivalent to that for the united states that's the that's the thing that i was gonna say is that i think the best would be to be an american a, a stud soccer player and play in europe where they would follow you hand and foot but you'd come back to america and nobody would know who you are Actually, no, I think there is one thing, one example of that. Lance Armstrong winning, winning his multiple Tour de France's. There was like, he probably was the most famous American athlete for a while. People yeah. can think about what they want to of him now, but I think that was something that he he brought in the map. No, it's true, though. Most big-time American, like, well, maybe like LeBron James but and Kobe Bryant. But other than that, like most, even basketball players, they notice that they're tall, but they could go to the Ukraine and nobody's like, who's that? That's a... Uh... Yeah, I was it's like one time awesome. I was at LAX and Chris Bosch was directly behind me in line. What's the boss rich doing behind me? It was great. We're in line and he he's pre-check. He's got money. He's got pre-check. He's behind me. But then all of a sudden, <laughs> this secret door opens and Chris Brown comes out. They hug it out and Chris Brown gets escorted directly to his plane. It was one of the weirdest Los Angeles experiences I've ever had. And Bosch is just still in the let the cattle call. Yeah, him and his fiance else. or his girlfriend were behind me, and then they go through. And I followed Chris Brown, and him and Bosch were both going to Miami, so that makes sense. But the Bostrich, I've seen him twice in LA. That's crazy. What are the odds of that? Not very high. So maybe I should go buy a lottery ticket after we <laughs> stop recording. I don't know if you saw this story, but this is really cool. This guy, Aaron Taylor, who was incarcerated for 26 years for robbery and assault with a deadly weapon. He, uh, when he was in San Quentin, he kind of started his knack at calling games. So he like for five days a week, he would call three games a day. And there was, I saw this picture of him. He would be sitting on a platform, probably like calling basketball games as they happen in prison. In 2012, when the Warriors went to go visit, they like got acquainted with him. And last week or this week, depending on when you listen to this, he was the guest PA announcer for the Warriors and he was a huge hit. Did you see any of this? So did like, he would be in San Quentin just like announcing the games without a microphone, just kind of yelling it into the air. 
Well, I think after he was, and then after a while he got a microphone. So what I've seen is like, he kind of probably towards the end of his uh, rehabilitation, he, he got that, but I got a clip of what it sounded like. I thought he did a really good job and maybe uh, the Warriors normal PA announcer might be sweating a little bit. So, yeah, I mean, he did a great job. And after the game, in his uh, post-game interview, Steph Curry is like, hey, come over here. And uh, he gave Aaron a little bit of his, his media time. And that was really cool. He was overwhelmed. And so it was a heartfelt story. These stories are pretty cool. I think they do it every year. The Warriors go and take players and they play in San Quentin. So they've kind of – I've heard about this. I had a friend in San Quentin, and I would visit him like 15 years ago. But it was like really on the download. Like nobody knew that the Warriors would go in and play – this team from San Quentin. So there's like a pretty deep relationship there. Yeah. And so there, this is a big game. So I'm sure they kind of build a relationship over the years with this Aaron Taylor. And it's super cool that they gave him a gig after. Yeah. I think that's awesome. Nicole's dad volunteers at San Quentin once a week. What does he do? Uh, missionary or Bible study or something. I'm not sure. Okay. All right. Pretty sneaky. We got to convert some souls in San Quentin. I'm in. I'm in. Yeah. <laughs> Here's what I, I was shocked to see this. Because it's something from my youth. WrestleMania 37 over the weekend. Did you know it's been around 37 years? I would have guessed 30 years, so I would have been off a little bit. But yeah, I mean, it's been going on forever. Did you? I mean, T TNT has that wrestle wrestling spinoff. It's it's turned into something. I was more surprised by the names that are still in it, like Ooh. from the 90s. The Edge. Ooh. The Edge. I remember when the edge got introduced, that was during my like time watching WWF at that time. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a wild ride. I, uh, those guys are impressive. I could not do that. They're impressive. And it's so great. My kids are just getting into it. And when my daughter turns it on, she's like, that is so fake. And my boys are like, no, and we all like, of course it's real. Of course it's real. She's like, that's so fake. That's so fake. So great to go back and forth, but we're like, they're just getting in a, all the TNT and all the different wrestles. Yeah. Russell, Russell I mean, the thing with fake is yeah. whether it's fake or not, can you grab Still someone awesome. and yeah. jointly do a tandem backflip and land and get up and keep going? I, uh, I can't do a backflip by myself, you know, but it, it is funny. Like, I feel like when I was a kid, they were arguing that it was real, that it wasn't fake. Right. Now they've sort of given up that pretense and everybody says it's fake and kind of go like, it's still amazing. Yeah, the theatrics of it all. I mean, it, launching the careers of The Rock. Of course, The Rock. 37, the main event, of course, was a three-way match. Roman Reigns coming out victorious over the edge of Daniel Bryan. You mentioned him. Uh, do you know um, Daniel Bryan's chant? No, what is it? He goes, yes, yes, yes. And then his 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 uh, final move is called the yes lock. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Uh, Reigns won the match with a con chair to edge. That was his closing move. Con chair to edge. Yeah. Well, I don't think I would also like a, uh, a folding chair in the head. Yes. Remember, did you do you remember the hell in the cell match where man oh. got thrown through the cage? He pops out. He spits two of his teeth out and continues with blood coming from his mouth. You should show that to your daughter and tell her that's not fake. I love Mankind. Thank you for bringing him on the show. I, he, he could be in my top five. Mankind is very interesting. He's a very Mick Foley. He's got some books out. Oh. Check those out. 
By the way, the Raw Women's Champ was Rhea Ripley. She defeated Asuka. And the Intercontinental Champ was Apollo Crews defeating the Big E. Yeah. There you go. WWE has turned into something pretty amazing. And uh, good on Vince McMahon for turning into what what it is today. And I guess speaking of trailblazing, Wes Welker, who I give credit to getting the slot receiver position credit, uh, I think he paved the way for Julian Edelman, who just announced his retirement from football. He was the seventh round, 232nd pick by the Patriots and uh, had a really long career as a receiver for someone that's 5'10". He's listed at 5'10". Maybe he's just a 5'9 guy from Whittier. He's not 5'10 because I stood next to him once. I know that he's not 5'10". Oh, yeah. So uh, happy trails to Julian Edelman. That's a long career, entire time with the Patriots. That's rare for someone of that size and in that position. Most people don't like make it that long. Dude won three Super Bowls with the Patriots, won an MVP in one of those Patriots, was drafted at a Kansas State as a quarterback, made the Patriots as a receiver. It really is like an amazing story. His buddy, of course, Tom Brady, he's now beloved in the city of Boston. Like, dude set up to not pay for a beer for the rest of his life in B-Town. Yeah. <clears throat> It's uh, oh. and that's a place where they like to drink beer. I think they, they drink beer. Boston. Have you ever had a hot dog in Boston? I have not had a hot dog in Boston. Should I have a hot dog in Boston? Well, once you get your new job, I think you'll be going to uh, the Big Green Monster and having a. That's a great idea. Like, what are the hot dogs at uh, that stadium like? What do they Midway? take? It, I wonder what they come with baked beans on. <laughs> no, they come with clam chowder. Ooh. Hot dog drenched in clam chowder on a nice hot day. Can't get any better than that. Just in case you didn't know, the world is just a playground for Trevor Lawrence. As you know, the former Clemson quarterback is expected to go number one of the draft. He spent the weekend at the Masters after getting married. On top of that, the Jaguars, who, by the way, have the number one pick in the upcoming draft, are expected to pick him. They all chipped in to buy him a wedding gift. They got him a high-end toaster. It has LED features, nine different settings, and a song list to play when the bread is perfectly done. The toaster runs $300. Also, Jaguars fans chipped in $6,000 to Trevor Lawrence so that he could donate it to his favorite charity. I hate when fans do this because the dude is rich. Why are they giving their hard-earned money to a dude who's got endless amounts of money? Well, no, they're giving it to a charity. Still, $6,000, that rolls out of his couch cushions these days. Well, maybe. I want to go back real quick. I forgot to talk about this. After the Masters, I saw um, on social media, people at the Atlanta airport, one guy tweeted, uh, Matsuyama is on my 645 flight to Chicago, (laughs) probably connecting in Tokyo. And the green jacket is just like draped over the chair next to him. And he's just chilling at the airport. But that was kind of, I don't know what, what else he would do with the green jacket, but it was kind of cool to seeing him flying back. Okay, so once again, from an earlier story that we talked about, I said that he's worth a billion dollars now. Maybe you get a private plane. I don't know. Maybe. Well, you don't get to be rich by spending money, Larry. <laughs> I picked up a 7-10 split this weekend. What? Yeah. I don't believe it. That's not true. I haven't been bowling because bowling is not allowed in the county of Los Angeles currently, but the PBA is still going strong. We had a PBA tour professional on the show 
last summer. And uh, for the first time in 30 years, what's his name? Anthony Newer picked up a 7-10 split on television, which is like, you know, one, it's the back two corners. Basically, you have to hit it and has to ricochet around and knock the other one over. It's kind of a mix of luck. But he did it on live TV. Pretty cool. So it's never happened while they're televising a PBA event. That's why this is a big deal. Right. Like people pick them up. It's, it's rare to pick up because there's got, there's some luck involved. I mean, it's definitely a lot of skill, but it was, there's not that many uh, PBA things that are live televised. And so uh, I love it. He's a redhead. They call him the ginger assassin. Here's a call from the 710. Come on, kid, do it. The ginger assassin. Oh my goodness. This kid looks like he has been a gamer his entire life. He's his BMI is pretty high. I don't know. I don't know about bowling. It's a lot of skill, but it's not a lot of cardio. You know, that's what they call me in third grade, the ginger assassin. So I feel like this is coming full circle for me. Oh, maybe you missed your calling as a professional bowler. That's where the money is, Larry. The money's in professional bowling. Little bit ginger assassin. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Well, this has been it for Sports Best. We'll see you on Friday. Until then, make sure you don't drive too fast in the Rolling Hills Estates. Thanks so much.